Go with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 17. And uh, Jesus shares a promise with his disciples that is true of every single one of us. And so you will want to lean into this message today. Jesus says to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come to you. But woe to him through whom they do come. You don't want to be the one who brings offenses, for it would be better for him or her to have a millstone that were hung around their neck and that they were thrown into the sea than it would be for you to offend one of these little ones. I repeat again the first verse, but it is impossible, someone say impossible, for no offense to knock on the door of your life throughout your life. In fact, Jesus also said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 7, Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses will inevitably come. Offenses will inevitably come, but woe to the person, yet again, through whom the offense comes. So over and over again, he says two things. One, Every one of us have been offended, and every one of us will have the opportunity to be offended again. If not today, hold on, it's coming your way. So the smart or the wise one would be proactive about it. And number two, it is really bad when offense is come through you. When you're the agent creating hostility and offense, you're creating some of these things. And so if you like to take notes, and I would encourage you, this is one to take notes on. My sermon title today is, Am I Offended? Am I Offended? I did not say, is my neighbor next to me offended? I did not say, is there someone at home who I know needs this YouTube link? And so I'm going to jump right on afterward, make sure that they get it in a text message. No, the question is to examine our own heart because every it's impossible for offense not to come to you. So the question is, am I offended? Last week, I preached a message starting the Serenity Now, a sermon series where I talked about Galatians 5 and the flesh list, and also uh, Galatians 5 has a spirit list, and every single one of us will find Serenity Now if we have the spirit, the fruits of the spirit operating in our life, but the enemy has his own fruits and has his own pools, and and offense is one of them. You can see it riddled in the mix and the concoction and the cocktail of a number of these thrown together and thrown at us to consume in life. And so oftentimes we end up offended. And I can remember there have been many times, even after I gave my life to Jesus Christ, that I awakened to the fact that I am offended. I very strategically used the word awakened because most of us know if we could see it coming, I would have warded it off from the beginning. But isn't offense like one of those issues in life that's very difficult to see in the mirror? And so oftentimes it brews up like the frog in a boiling pot. Come on, if you throw the frog right into the hot pot, it jumps right out. But if you slowly turn it up, that's the way the enemy wants to work in our life. Get you a little bit offended, not perceptibly enough, not, not cognitively enough, not the biggest issue in the world, but if I could start there and then just begin to turn the temperature up, eventually I can boil the entire frog without him being aware of it, and that's often what happens with offense, that we find ourselves a little bit more cynical than normal, uh, a little bit more jaded 
than normal. One-sided on every single time this person's name comes up, taking the bait every single time their name comes up, talking about people who aren't even in the company. They didn't even bring the name up, yet I'm finding myself weaving my way into talking about my mom, my dad, my BFF, my spouse, my, my you fill in the blank. We all know it because it's impossible that none of us have gone through life and not experienced it. And the best thing that can happen to us is that we would become awakened to it because I've even been offended with church leaders before and I had to catch myself saying, why am I having so many conversations about this person? Offenses everywhere, and it's so very hard to see in our mirrors, and that's why we got to have loved ones in our lives who can lovingly share with us, and we can be receiving of it, because we can have spousal offense, boss offense, church member offense, offended with my small group leader, offended with my small group people, offended with my kids, coach, ref, and BFF. There is offense ready everywhere. We, we, we say we're not offended, and then... Then we yell at blue all game long. And I, I ain't got no problems with the umpire. And let me help you out because the first experience didn't know who blue is. But if you're not a baseball fan, it's the umpire who typically wears blue. So you just hear, come on, blue. That was a strike. Come on. And that, 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 it's, that's the smallest way. That's, that's the start of it. But oftentimes, that's how it starts to build into bigger and bigger and bigger things, which reminds me a little bit of a Boudreaux joke all on time. Boudreaux walks in up to Pierre, and Pierre, I said, Boudreaux, you, you look a little lumpy around the chest. You look, you're looking all abnormal up there. What, what you got going on up under your shirt? Your shirt? And Boudreaux said, I got, I got dynamite up in there. Come on, I got dynamite up underneath my shirt. And, and Pierre says, why in the world are you walking around with dynamite strapped up underneath your shirt? And he said, well, I'll tell you why, Pierre. See, Thibodeau, he's a good friend, but he annoys me. Thibodeau, every single time I walk up, he walks up to me and he just smacks me on my chest. I get all up red up and underneath and everything. And I don't like it when he smacks me on my chest, so I came up with this idea. I got this dynamite up underneath my chest because the next time I decide, next time Thibodeau slaps me on my chest, I'm going to blow his hand off. Come on. That's not the funniest joke I've ever told, but it does have a moral behind it that that's oftentimes what offense does. It hurts us way more than it hurts the ones that we are offended with. And so Jesus says in Luke 17, it's impossible that offenses, that no offenses should come to you. The, the word that he's using in the original Greek language would have been scandalon. In the original text, they would have written down scandalon, which is where we get our word scandal. Because to be the source of spreading offense is scandalous. To be offended with another one is to be living in scandal. It is scandalous anytime offense is around. But the term also refers to the part of a trap where a bait is placed. It's the cheese on a mouse trap just going, come on, come on, come on. If I can just trap you with this offense, don't you want to hear it? Don't you want to talk about it? Don't you want to spread it? Don't you want to be angry about it? Don't you want to get stuck up in it? And in fact, I brought the deadliest eastern shore weapon 
to my pulpit this morning. Don't worry, I passed it on with the security team. They're aware of it. You've never seen this weapon in the pulpit before. It's the deadliest Eastern Shore weapon there is. Oh, yeah. You're getting it. Because some of y'all are like, oh, yeah, I, got, I, know, I know what that is. You, you're like, Pastor Drew, you got to spin it at the bottom. You got to spin it as you unravel that thing right there. See all that glue all in the middle. Yeah, 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 yeah. Looks almost like the mozzarella on a cheese pizza. Come on. Okay, anyway. Don't act like you haven't seen the deadliest weapon on the Eastern Shore because every one of y'all got one of these hiding. I remember uh, coming from Louisiana over here. Um, I, I, we, we had house flies. I think they're everywhere. I think they're demonic everywhere you go, but they're extra demonic here. And they seem to be everywhere. And I remember just trying to pastor someone before, just trying to have a counseling session. And I was meeting with them in a conference room in a church, and, and they're just constantly swatting flies. And I'm over here swatting flies. I didn't know if they were filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, tie my bow tie. Come on, you know, you're one of them things. Or, 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 or if, if there was just a house fly. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm swatting them, and I'm so embarrassed. I'm turning a little bit red. I'm like, we, we got to be more professional around here. We got to do a better job with the house flies. Like, how can anybody talk to anybody now? Now we realize, now I realize I'm one of, I'm one of us now. We all understand. They are a part of the Eastern Shore. I don't know if it's the chickens, the agriculture, or what, but they're everywhere, are they not? Can I get an amen? Now if I meet the council with you, I just let them walk around on my face. I mean, they just walk around. I'm just like, there ain't no point in swatting them. Y'all know. Come on. I wish, I wish. So I remember coming home and I telling my wife, things have got to change around here. Things have got to change. She's like, what kind of talk are we about to have? We're getting some of these fly traps. <laughs> she was like, oh, no. Here's, here's what my wife said. It's so sticky. I can't get the tack off. I'm not leaving it here. Our drummer already stepped on it in between experiences. Come on. There we go. Whoo, deadliest trap on the eastern shore. Uh, I, I, I said, we're getting some of these, and my wife said two things. See if it, they resonate with you today. The first thing she said is, I hate the way those things look. If we put them up, they'll be up in private, but we are not leaving them up in public. The moment you find out someone's coming over, you're just like, get the fly traps. We're going to put them all away. We're going to act like everything's just so nice in here. Well, I don't know how we don't have flies. How did you get rid of flies? They just, they don't, we prayed over them, and they're just not in our house, right? That's because we just threw that thing away in between. And isn't that the same way we are all with our own offenses? We like to put them away in public. We like to put them away in church. We like to put them away in private. The pastor's coming over. I ain't got no offenses. Come on. I don't have no anger issues. I don't have, I told this story in the first experience three weeks ago, but we went to the beach with some friends, and I saw someone at the beach who I knew, and they knew me, and, uh, but uh, we, we accidentally pulled, it was a crowded Ocean City beach, and we pulled our tent a little too close to them, and I decided I'm going to sit back and watch how this unfolds a little bit. I kind of want to see how they respond they turn around hey are you serious you're gonna get that close come on privacy settings and I just went hey what's up my friend they're like oh hey pastor oh pastor it's not too close it's not too close thought you were a tourist pastor I thought you were a tourist I don't have a problem with locals it's only tourists I'm like do we all wear name tags now I'm a local don't get a no no, no. 
And actually, he, he did a pretty good job and immediately kind of backed off. But aren't we all the same way? Like, I got an offense, and I have it out in the open, and I've got a trap, and I'm aware of it, and I live with my whole family knowing what traps me, what gets me angry, what gets me lustful, what gets me selfish, what gets me to spread divisions and envious and jealousy. But, oh, the pastor came. Let's put them traps away. Let's hide those things. Let's close them off. Let's not let anybody know we have them. The problem is in Luke 12, it says everything that is hidden will be found out. Everything hanging in your kitchen right now. Every secret will be known. Whatever you say in the dark will be heard when it is day. And do you know one of the best trap releases is confessing our sin to someone else? Say, I got a trap. I got a trap that I fall for quite often. I remember uh, when I gave my life to the Lord, I needed to tell somebody some, about some of the traps I was caught in. And James 5.16 says, yes, confessing your sins to God brings you forgiveness. But confessing your sins to a brother or sister helps give you freedom. And so James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And I had some of this flesh list still in my operations. We're all going to be dealing with this list until we go to heaven one day. But we should be using it and, and, and consuming it and being stuck in it less and less and less and more and more of that every single day. But I remember I gave my life to the Lord. I still had some of these things happening even though I'd repent to God. But I needed to confess to somebody else and it brought healing. The second thing that my wife said, don't judge us, don't judge us. She said, I came home, and I'm one of those guys who, like, I love seeing, like, 38 of those things on there after one day. You're like, I set that trap. Look at that thing. We'll fly free zone. Look at how many. You, anybody, you know, a little annoyed if you only got one or two? You're like, where the heck have you been? Anybody else, the, the flies disappear the moment you get out of fly swatter? Anybody else? Because we're just like, where'd you go? Hey, come on. I come home. It's like 38 of them. I'm like, oh, yeah, come on. This thing worked. And my wife's like, I hate it. I hate it. The sound irks me. I was as confused as you are. The sound. This is a silent trap. This is silent but deadly, honey. She said, you go put your ear up to it and listen. There's a bunch of flies that are barely alive and they're suffering and they're stuck there and they're crying out and their cries irritate my ears. I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, put your ears up to it and the closer I got, I heard. You go, you go, you go check your own fly trap. If you got a fresh one, you'll hear the, the closer you I was just like, it's the sound of freedom, honey. <laughs> she said, but they're suffering, and it's just driving me nuts. The sound is driving me nuts. And how many of y'all know that we look the same and sound the same when we're just a fly stuck on a trap of a fence because we're barely alive, stuck, and suffering in life, just constantly, you walk up to a conversation, you're like, oh, no, here she comes. She don't know she's offended, but all you hear when she gets there is, ah, come on, same thing, with the, the same thing with this guy who's constantly nagging and all this other stuff because 
The enemy is always trying to bait us. He wants us to live stuck on this list right here. There's a sticky factor to this kind of sin. Thank you so much. I got so much glue on my hand. Have you ever noticed it takes intentionality to walk this way? But it's so easy to go, hey guys, what's going on? We talking about who? Oh, I'm not going to have any part of it, but in case I need to know some of it, what are we talking about here? <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait a second, y'all looking at what? <laughs> but, but just in case, so I know what you're looking at. Come on, anger, hostility, fighting, division, dissension, envy. <laughs> the enemy wants to bait us over here. He wants us to get stuck over here. He stacked the deck for us to live over here when we're called to live over here. Let me illustrate for just a few minutes. I need four volunteers to swiftly run up here. I didn't tell anybody in advance, but I just need four volunteers. Come on, my sermon's gonna go too long if I can't get four volunteers to run up here. Thank you, Dominique, got one. Thank you so much, Christy, Crystal. Come on, okay, all right, I got enough. Yes, come on up, thank y'all. Thank you so much. All right, Dominique, you stand over there with him. Rochelle, you come right here. And Christy, you stand right here because you and Rochelle are just, aren't y'all so tight? Don't you love her? Don't you, don't you love her too? And, and they're, just, they're just good friends, church friends, and maybe even in small group together. Maybe, maybe they've known each other from childhood, and there's just so many awesome things, except that Christy is about to become the offender, and Rochelle is about to become the offendee. And so what happens is when she makes a mistake, go ahead and step this way. We all know that a separation happens and a division happens. The, 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 the dynamic that we need to understand is sometimes this offender knows what they did and sometimes they don't. We've seen it happen both ways. But it doesn't even have to be built on truth, does it? Sometimes it can just be a rumor you heard. Sometimes it can be just what someone else's opinion is you heard. Someone can say, I think they posted about you, and it was a post about someone else. Because offense can be factual or non-factual, but it's still true inside of us and has the same ramifications. Have you been there before? Let me get a witness. Or do you know somebody? Let me get a witness. I expected that to be louder, okay? Yeah, it ain't me, Pastor. It's somebody else, okay? But what happens is most of us don't want to do what God's asked us to do, which would be to go to them one-on-one -on -one and work it through with forgiveness, repentance, and awareness. What the offended often like to do is just in case your argument is not strong enough to convince her, how about we go over to a prayer team over here? And maybe through a prayer request, we can all share that I have an unspoken. <laughs> I have an unspoken I'd like to share. Come on, come on over here. Don't be in the dark. Be in the light. Let's talk about it out in the open. And, and what happens is she says, Sister Bucket Mouth over here. <laughs> Brother Dingbat over there. Can you believe they did this? And they just start talking, and maybe it's in a form of a prayer request. Maybe it's in a we should all reach out. Maybe it's in a we should care. Maybe it's in a you should invite them. Maybe it's whatever. The problem is if she does or does not know that she has offended Rochelle, it is highly unlikely that she doesn't have a clue why now all of a sudden the other two have a problem with her too. 
And so what happens is, why don't you all turn your back to her because she's nasty. Can you believe what she did? I can't believe that. And they, they, the offended doesn't often just live offended. They build an army of offended. We're never going to your business again. I'm never going to be in your small group again. I'm talking about you everywhere I go. And I'm going to have a lot of prayer requests that we're going to put out there because you need a lot of prayer. Can y'all give it up for my volunteers today? Let me tell you the spirit behind why that's happening. Because I don't think oftentimes the offended consciously does it. Sometimes we do consciously do it. We know what we're doing. Sometimes we subconsciously just start building an army of offended people. Can you believe what my spouse did? Let me go tell everybody what my spouse did so that we all look at you like, what's wrong with you? Can you my, my kids, my, my BFF, whatever it is, we try to build an army of offense. Let me show you the spirit behind it. Check this out. In our relationship, if we're following Jesus Christ, they're going to bring up this illustration right here. There's three dynamics. There's me, there's you, and there's the enemy. Someone say the devil. We are called by God to war against the devil who comes to steal, kill, destroy. He comes to cause divisions and strife and envy and jealousy. So go to the next slide. I am supposed to be warring against the enemy. You are supposed to be warring against the enemy. Go to the next slide. And that means that you and I are united. Brother, sister, united together in a kingdom purpose of attacking the enemy of darkness. Now, here's what the enemy would like to do. Go to the next slide. There's the enemy, there's me, there's you. This could be me and my spouse. This can be me and my BFF. This could be me and my boss. This can be me and my church friend. This can be me and my small group. But instead of attacking the enemy, if I get offended with you and you start getting offended with me, all of a sudden things get cold and we'll go to the next slide. Now there's a lot of animosity between us. And the enemy looks high and up high and just goes, I've got them so distracted. They're so stuck on each other, they don't even have their eyes on God. I can lurk around in the background and just have my way with these two and just toy with these two because they're not watching me and they aren't watching God. They're just looking to attack one another. And so guess who we are really in unity with when we live this way? Go to the next slide. I am united with the enemy. And you are united with the enemy. And we are tools. Tell your neighbor, don't be a tool. Puppeted, toyed with, worked around by an evil demonic spirit that says, I don't even remember what you're fighting about. And if you stopped and thought about it, you'd go, why the heck are we talking? Why are we fighting about whether we go into Olive Garden or Longhorn? I don't know how we got on this. You know how you got on it? Because you got an enemy that is just seeking to devour and separate and to divide and cause anger and selfishness and dissension. You always picking. You never picking. <laughs> and they always get to go there. And, 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 and Come on. The enemy gets us like a fly trap stuck on this side. So far from the kingdom purpose God has called us to live out. And so I want to, uh, let me give you some insight into my job description as a pastor. 2 Timothy 2.24 says this. It says, the Lord's servant, that, that's speaking about the spiritual leader, right? The, the, the pastor or, or, or the small group leader or the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Why? 
because opponents must be gently instructed that they will come to their senses or their awareness and escape the eastern shore deadly trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will and live out this list and try to blame it on somebody else. In other words, my job description is to try to use words and relationships to help those who are trapped realize they're trapped. Because if you could see it in the mirror, you would have fixed that a long time ago. And do you know that that is number, one of the number one reasons that the enemy, one of the best ways to keep someone offended is to attack the leader, attack the pastor. Go ahead and take authority from all of them. Strike the sheep. Uh, strike the shepherd's sheep will sh uh, scatter. I think that there is an agenda in our world today to attack every single leader so that we just decide we can do whatever we want to do. And we can disregard anybody we want to disregard. But constantly, Jesus is constantly trying to set up people who care for, love on, and, and, and share and care for people like a flock. And, and so, yes, many pastors have failed. Many have had abuse. You can watch it on your TV screens. You can listen to podcasts all about it but if I were the enemy I'd be saying too if one did it all of them do it and that's what he likes to do in leadership structures if it's not me and a pastor it's your parents they all are out for their own agenda they're just trying to, if it's not your parents it's your teachers they don't know what the heck they're doing if it's not them it's the administrators it's your boss it's 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 the authority it's the government structure it's the police officers it's the I just feel like the enemy is really trying to attack godly authority and there are people who have always made mistakes but that doesn't mean everybody's making mistakes I have been blessed and I am where I am today because I've had godly pastors who didn't always get it right but they have shepherded me shepherded me well and they've and, and they've been honest when they got it wrong that's my hope for you too I won't always get it right neither will our pastors here but we're going to try to be honest every single time we get it anywhere off and by the way your salvation should not be built on that you should have such a relationship with Jesus that I'm going to follow him because he's been good to me does that make sense good I hope that's a fair enough point I'm just trying to be real if you'd like to come on if you'd like to dig, dig deeper this is a great book, Beta Satan by John Bevere. We have some in our resource center. It's the same price. You can get it for Amazon. We just wanted you to be, have the opportunity to get it today. Already three of them were bought this morning, so make sure you grab one before you leave because this is a brilliant book on offense. But I told you I want to finish each week with a, a beatitude. And so next week I'm going to share six practical ways to handle scandal. Six practical ways to handle scandal. And then in week four we're going to talk about forgiveness. So it's going to be a powerful rest of the series you need to make every week but for today let me finish with Jesus's best sermon ever the greatest sermon of all time starts with this Matthew 5 verse 8 one of the eight beatitudes and the beginning of every beatitude has a challenge for you and me and the end has a promise that will happen if you can complete the challenge Matthew 5 verse 8 blessed or blessed are those who are pure in heart for they will 
see God. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. It doesn't take a lot of convincing to know that everything on this list defiles my heart. It taints my heart. It tries to stick me to it. I don't like who I am. I, when I see it, and when I see it in the mirror, I don't like who I am. And I know I've got to change it. I know I don't want to live here anymore. And I know it's contaminating me. And I know it's bringing out the worst in me. And it's bringing out the worst in my friends. And it's bringing out the worst in my family. It's trying to run amok. But blessed are those who are pure. Maybe I should say it this way. Blessed are the unstuck who have pure heart, who is free to pursue. They will see God. They're going to see God show up in the midst of their situations. They're going to see God moving in their marriage. They're going to see God moving in their workplace. They're going to see peace when everybody else has turmoil. They're not going to wait until they've died and gone to heaven to find serenity now. They're bringing heaven onto earth because God wants you to have heaven tomorrow, but also heaven today. Come on. If you want no shame, if you want no regrets, if you want no turmoil on the inside you are going to have to find pureness of heart and so Psalm 24 says who may ascend the mountain of the Lord who may stand in his holy place in other words who may go to heaven the one who has clean hands and a pure heart this sounds like heaven on earth to me this sounds like serenity right now. And instead of getting into the gossip, instead of lusting over what everyone else is lusting over, instead of dividing and instead of attacking Christie over here while everybody else is, I have the peace and the freedom and the pureness of heart to say, God, I was able to walk away not by my strength, but because of what you're doing in me. Remember this, I heard one person say in between experiences, to follow Christ is to die to self. In other words, you and I want to go this way. There's something in our flesh that goes, what are we talking about? And what do they do now? And what are we looking at? And who? Eh, and eh, eh. But if we've died to ourselves, there's no stickiness factor. There's no clinging. Because I have repented, which is to turn 180 degrees. And I've asked God to forgive me of that, and I am now living my life in this direction. Can I get a good amen? So if you're stuck with an offense, it's time to turn from it. It's time to examine your heart. And today, when you do that, here's God's promise. You will see God. With every head bowed, every eye closed. God, I thank you that you're about to just show up in the midst of adversity, turmoil, storms on the inside of us. I feel like you're, you're saying that right now there's storms going on in the middle of people's minds, their eyes, their thoughts, their feelings, their actions, their relationships, their workplaces. God, I pray for serenity now to show up. And in the midst of it, where we've gotten wrong, where we've lived in the fleshless, Father, I pray that you help us move off of being stuck in a fence and off of being baited and trapped and tooled with so easy and move us instead, Father, to your fruits of the Spirit in Jesus' name. And with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not going to call you forward and I'm not going to embarrass you. But I believe there's many of you in here who 
maybe you've never given your life to Jesus before. Today is your day to do that. You've been trying to unstick yourself from some of these sin issues. You've been trying to stop it. You've been trying to use your will to do it. But I'm here to tell you that you need something stronger. You need the spirit of the ever-living God who wants to come and break your bondage, break your stronghold. And what I love about Jesus is he says that when you confess your sins, he remembers it against you no longer, which doesn't mean God develops amnesia towards you. It just means that whenever the enemy or you or anyone else says, you remember when you did that? He doesn't say, I can't remember. I'm God and I know everything and somehow I forgot. No, that's not what happened. Instead, God says, I remember it. But I also remember how Jesus' blood covered it up. So what of it? I don't remember anything harsh towards it anymore. I'm not angry about it. I'm not looking to have a raking over the coal about it. Our God's not an angry God. He's calling you home today. He wants to lift you up. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you in this place, and you say, it's time to try Jesus. I want to go all in and ask him to forgive me of my sins, whether it's for the first time or maybe it's the first time in a long time. If that's you, would you just swiftly throw your hand in the air and you can put it uh, right back down right after. Just quick acknowledgement. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I see you too. Thank you. So many people making courageous steps. I'm so proud of you. Come on, church, together, let's pray along with them. And for everyone I saw raise their hand, I need you to believe every word you're saying because there's no magic in a prayer. There's only a a, a decision in your heart to choose Jesus and to mean these words. So repeat after me, all church. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm so sorry for my sin. I know I've messed up, and I'm asking you to forgive me now. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe he was the son of God. And when he died there, he died to set me free too. I am forgiven today because of what Jesus did then. I love you, Lord, and I want to live for you. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church said... Amen and amen. Celebrate with everybody who made that decision.